There you go, recording. Hey, uh, I'm Matt Hudgens. He's Dave Mulvaney, and this is Profitability MD. Mr. Dave, how you doing today, buddy? Matt, I'm good. How are you today? Life is good. We got a little sunshine here in Atlanta. Uh, we didn't get any snow. It was supposed to snow here yesterday. You guys must have gotten like below 50, for God's sakes. Oh, oh no. We were below freezing last night. Where are you really? Yeah. Now, that is a big deal for far. Yeah, and we'll be below freezing again tonight. But, I mean, I'm in Jacksonville, so that's actually north – uh, North Florida, South Georgia, you know, so that's normal this time of year. We, I, I say we typically get 20, 15 to 20 overnight freezing temperatures a year. Very rarely is it, uh, does it not get above 50 during the day? But hey, that's, that's Florida for you. That's a rough life. All right, what do we got today? What are we going to talk about? What you it's got? Not sixty below, like Chicago, Wisconsin. Um, I have a lot of friends in Wisconsin. They're, well, that's right, Wisconsin. I saw Minnesota was like Minnesota. I've got friends in uh, Minneapolis area. Uh, one who is on Lake Minnetonka, and they lost power for two hours. And sure, you have gas heat, but if you have no fan to move that air around, it, it doesn't do you any good. So <laughs> losing power um, is a big deal. So, uh, but that's anyway. Good. Um, so Matt, I, you know, one of the things that I think is a current event going on right now is, yep. um, or technically not going on right now, but it's, it just ended was the government shutdown. Okay. And I really think it exposed, um, it, it exposed America. And I'm not talking about politics, because I don't care what side of the uh, aisle you're on in this thing. There's 800,000 government employees that weren't getting paid. Right. The shutdown, I guess, was 35 days. And of those 800,000, sure, there's the, uh, let's just call, most of those are very skilled college graduate workers. Most of them. Now, there's the TSA, which are the most, uh, basically, uh, they, most of them couldn't even get a job at McDonald's. Not that working at McDonald's is a bad thing, but um, the TSA, I think, is five rungs below that. Um, but that's just my opinion. Uh, but the reality is the majority of these were skilled workers, and they were in big financial trouble because of a 30-day, 35 days without pay. Right. And I think that's an indictment on our country because um, if you can't go 35 days without pay, what, what do you do with all your money? I don't care if you make $50,000 a year combined, husband and wife. That's two people working for 25 grand a year. If, if you make that amount, you should be saving $5,000 a year at least. And if you're not you're living outside of your means. Everybody's got a car payment. Everybody's got house payments. Everybody's got credit card payments. Well, that's their problem. They're buying things they can't afford um, and hoping for, you know, some kind of windfall when in reality that never happens. So that's kind of where I want to go today is what, where are people spending all their money, Matt? That's you're, you're a wealth advisor. <laughs> and and this is probably near and dear to your heart. So that would be, I think it's a good subject for us to talk about. Today. The, uh, it's funny. I don't know where to begin on that. So, so 
the first thing I'd say is you're exactly right. It's consumerism, we're here and we, we all spend too much, right? More than we make. I like your idea. We should all be saving 10%, 15%, 20%, hell, 25% of what you make. Um, there's a funny take on that as well that talks about, there's one of the gurus that I follow, a guy named Ramit Sadie, and he started a financial blog on how to save money. And he wrote a book on how to save money. Um, and what he found out was nobody wants to save money, Dave. Nobody wants to save money. What they want to talk about is how do I make more money? So he actually switched his whole messaging would be how to make an extra thousand dollars a month in a side gig. And then from there, he kind of upselled you into how do you make, how do you start your own business? How do you make more money in your existing business? So it's just a funny that you say that where, yeah, we're all consumers. We all spend way too much money. There is a number, like you said, is it 10, is it 15, is it 20% that you should be saving a year, not spending, right? But then there's also things like, like what you and I talk about all the time here is, gosh, we need to figure out a way to make more money, right? And so you could save that money, right? I've got husbands and wives, and the way they might do it would be, we'll live off of one of the spouse's income and save the other spouse. Or live off of one income, and then the other income is paying for college, paying for private school, or, or many different ways to do it. Um, but what's important is that, what, and you took it a, a direction, I'm glad you did, because what, in order to do that, you cannot possibly buy things that you do not need. <laughs> That's right. And, and see, so I, I, needs versus wants, what I always needs say. Needs versus wants. In fact, if you read um, any of uh, P.T. Barnum's work, I don't know if you have, but let me tell you. The guy was, okay, they just made the movie about him and, and it, there were none of that. I, well, not none of it. Some of it was not true at all about him. If you read, he was totally anti-drinking. He was a very conservative person. Like, I mean, both in the way he spent money. Um, but at the same time, I mean, he talked about how um, never borrowing money and for anything. Now, I don't necessarily agree with the with that thought process um i think if for instance if you're you make your living in a car like you drive for uber that's how you make your living um well then yeah you you can finance an automobile because it's how you make your living and but you don't need to drive an audi either you know you don't you don't need a mercedes uh, even the little mini one to to drive for uber you can you can purchase a, a quality used car that you can pay off in two years, uh, perhaps less. Well, see now that definition is what I call there's, there's not no debt. There's uh there's good debt and bad debt. Yeah. So, so like you, I think that's what you're saying is there is being debt free is awesome and that's fantastic, but it is okay to have some good debt. It's preferable not to. Okay. Good. Uh, so th I would make a distinction between good debt, uh, good debt would be um, you own a uh, a piece of real estate that's a cash flowing piece of real estate. That's good debt because it's bringing in income, and as it brings in income, the uh, you're paying down the mortgage, which is creating equity, an equity position or a cash position that's like money in the bank. So that's good debt. Uh, the car driving for Uber is 
uh, we'll call it, I, I don't know what, what the word is, but I don't consider it good debt, but it's okay debt. It's not, it's not negative um, in, a, in a sense that, it, yes, it'll decrease your, your net worth, meaning it'll give you a negative net worth to be driving an asset that's going down in value, but at the same time, um, that value is providing you income, and therefore, um, it becomes disposable, just like a renting a place for your business. That's not, that's not, that's okay debt. It would be better to own, but at the same time, you're going to spend money to be somewhere. It'd be right. better to own, but if it's not possible, renting a place for your business is not bad because somebody else is responsible for the roof and the outside and all that. Especially to start out with, right? You don't want to go into debt to have a business. We want to get so, going. So those are okay expenses. You can even consider that car payment as an expense. Uh, granted, your mileage deduction would be better. But it's the things that people do. They go, they go to Target, on, you know, on back to school, and they they buy a bunch of supplies and they put it down on the Visa card with the intention of paying it off. But then the end of the month comes, and guess what? They can't do. They can't pay it off, and so they accumulate these debts at high interest, and um, they never get out of that cycle. and And that's the indictment of America because. What happened when they came back out of, and, I, and I'm going to, it starts at the top. I mean, the government just announced, hey, we're going to just borrow, we're just going to print another $1 trillion. Right. Well, they're borrowing money that they don't have the ability to repay. And that's, you know, it's like father like son, right? That's what most Americans are doing is, is they're borrowing money that, that they're not sure they'll ever have the ability to repay. Right. Well, this is funny. So, so this actually leads right into a conversation I just hung up the phone with over here. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring this back, but it's perfect in that going back to saving more versus living within your means versus let me figure out how to make more, right? Part of the problem the business owners have is they don't have, they're just wandering through life. They don't have a systematized process to bring in new business, right? Yep. And so the conversation I just had, which was really funny, which would be, doesn't matter if you, what your goal is for dollar amount. If you had a system that brought in one new client a week, one new client a month, I mean, it depends on what your dollar points are, right? But if you had a system that brought in one new client a week on a process that can, a vending machine that could do that on a regular basis, a lot of your worries just go away. I call that the marketing machine would be built. If, if I had a marketing machine built that provides one new client a week, whether that client is a thousand dollar client, a five thousand dollar client, a ten thousand, a twenty thousand, it doesn't matter because I know next week I'm getting another client, and I know the weekend after that I'm getting another client. Right. So, to me, this brings in a full circle of that's why you would need to systematize your marketing and your business because you the confidence goes through the roof right in that, that you're not most business owners are paycheck to paycheck. most business owners are like the individuals you just talked about most business owners are paycheck to paycheck they don't know where their next client's coming from they're listening for the bat phone to ring that's what i call it the bat phone. you just sit around waiting for the bat phone to ring for your next customer call that's the way most business owners, that's not how my clients or your clients operate right we teach them how to build a system, a process that generates recurring revenue on a recurring basis. And the confidence from that 
is immense because it takes the money pressure off because I know next week I'm getting another client. And I know the week after that I'm getting another client. So anyway, I, I just call it if you, this just uh, exemplifies to me why a business owner lives paycheck to paycheck, just like America, which is why they need help, coaching, mentoring, to build a systematized, systematize their marketing, their business, to build what I call the marketing machine. Because if the marketing machine is built and you know clients are coming, then we can just amp up the machine, right? If I got it to bring in one, I could just amp it up to bring in two. Then I could amp it up to bring in three. But I got to build the machine to bring one. You know, and it's right? funny you say that because um, Dan Kennedy, and you know, I've, I, I like Dan Kennedy. Um, I, so in, um, I'm guessing 2001, I read the uh, Ultimate um, Sales Letter. Uh, which is one of Dan's early books, great book. And um, in that book, Dan talks about um, how the number one, the number one focus for any business owner, and it's funny, you're talking about business owners, they, they do live paycheck to paycheck, just like everyone else. And when you, when you get them to refocus, look, you've got to forget all that you do for a living and let's focus on one thing and that one thing is this, we're going to focus on acquiring customers. And most importantly, we're going to focus on how you can make money when you acquire a customer so that you have zero cost per customer acquisition. When you can acquire the customer and it doesn't cost you anything, I didn't say you wouldn't spend any money. <laughs> For every thousand you spend, you can bring back 10,000 or 8,000 or 7,000, whatever that number is. When you can do that, you have no competition. You don't have to work. You can grow as fast and as big as you want to grow. You have a scalable business. And now your focus changes. You're not worried about the day to day because yes. now you have a way to bring income to make <laughs> it rain. And you can say, I can hire people to take care of shipping product or, or doing installations or those type of things. We're going to focus on the cost per customer acquired. And that's what Dan talks about in that book. He says, he who spends the most to acquire the customer wins. Now he didn't, what he, for the longest time, I thought that meant you have to spend a lot on advertising. No, what he was saying was when you can learn to make money, when you acquire the customer, and I, it didn't hit me, but in 2000, really about 2004, I wrote an ebook uh, called Energy Savings Without Getting Scammed for my electrical business. Okay. And that book over a six-year period of time was downloaded over 30,000 times. It was written to target our ideal distributor. Every time a distributor would sign up to sell our products, they would, they would purchase anywhere from a quarter of a million to $4 million a year in product from us. So I was generating 400 targeted leads every month that were bringing in quarter of a million to, to $4 million customers. So every time I acquired a customer, for every thousand I spent, we were bringing in about 50,000 in revenue. When you have a machine that does that, right. life becomes very different. And I think that's what um, I can tell you in all honesty, for years in my business, even after I had that, I forgot all the things that work as you get caught up in the minutia. Yeah. It works so well. I forgot to do it. You know, and that's <laughs> the truth. And if, when you really get back down to it, the businesses that become the biggest, they focus on a, they focus on the cost to acquire the customer. They know that metric better than any other. 
And that is the only focus in the business. And if, if you can learn to do that where you may have a net positive, I don't care if it's 10 cents, if it costs you a dollar and you get back a dollar or 10 when you acquire that customer, you can sell billions of cups of coffee. You can, I mean, it doesn't matter what it is you're selling. Um, you're going to make money when you can acquire a customer at zero cost or you're positive from day one when they sign up. And that's ultimately what you were saying. I mean, so it's funny that we end up in the same spot, which is if you don't have enough money, you got to make more. Okay. That's for, but you also got to stop the bleeding. In my opinion, right. you can't keep borrowing for crap that, that is, that is not going to move you forward. If you don't, if you don't make more money, if you're going to borrow money for God's sake, borrow money to learn something. Right, I mean, right. I'd rather see you spend, borrow money, you know, to, to hire a coach for 15 grand than to, than to borrow money to buy a boat for 15 grand. Coach <laughs> help you be able to pay cash for the boat. That's a tough sell, but that, I, I totally agree that so many people would buy that boat instead. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So many people would buy that boat instead. Well, that's funny. I mean, because I'm, I just think the business owner is the consumer and, and they live paycheck to paycheck. Because I look at my own situation, which would be, it's the confidence that it comes from having a marketing machine built, right? Because once you have that marketing machine built, I call it the algorithm built, and you talked about bringing in your electrical guys who are going to do, you know, whatever, 250 to $4 million of business. But then once you're in there, then you can go back and, again, talk about what we do with our clients, upsell, cross-sell, downsell, right? Yeah. They're, they're buying $50,000 of one product. Well, hell, now that you've got them in your distribution channel, you can sell another product to them. Upsell, cross-sell, downsell, which is what any business, a dentist could do the same thing. We got them in here. We're fixing their cavities. Why don't we do teeth whitening? and braces or alignments, right? Uh, you're a veterinarian. Why don't we offer a, I, I do brushing teeth for dogs, by the way, brush teeth for dogs, uh, worm deworming and worm pills. I mean, upsell, cross sell, downsell. Once we got the marketing machine built, we can make even more money by upselling, cross selling, downsell. And it's, again, it's, it's important, I think, to when you get to that point, dentist, doctor, you bring up veterinarian. I just had this conversation with our veterinarian. And, um, and he was looking for ways to, to create more income. He says, I can only work so many hours. I said, well, don't, don't create ways that require more of your time, create ways to make more money with your existing clients. Exactly what you're talking about, yes. cross-selling and upselling, um, start selling them the products that they need and make margins off of those. And if you'll do that through an automated campaign, so, hey, it's time my dog is Titus, and he's here. I, I normally have him up here. I don't want him to bark. He's downstairs. I'm in, I'm in my office. I have a two-story office. But, um, you know, I said, you, you should be sending out emails that offer, hey, Titus is coming up on needing this. So instead of us going and ordering stuff online, even dog food, we should be purchasing the, the great brand from you instead of buying it at the store. It might be more expensive through you. And maybe you only sell to 10% of your clients. But what you've done is you've given yourself a substantial raise without doing any more work. And, it's, and if that's all automated through, um, I like email campaigns. It's the best way to talk to your and to keep people permanent. 
as, as clients is you keep talking to them. And so those are ways, whether you're a doctor, attorney, attorneys, you know, are a little, it's a little more challenging because it's tough for an attorney to sell you products because sometimes that could be considered a conflict of interest. So they, attorneys have to find different ways of doing things. But, you know, doctors, how many doctors endorse products? It's even uh, when, the, when you go into medicine, like the medicine, actually selling medicine, how much right. they paid to write a prescription. They don't want to talk about it. but <laughs> Well, that's like, so my, one of my daughters had a knee injury and the, the, the doctor, the orthopedic surgeon should have been selling me the knee brace. Instead, I had to come home and go on eBay and buy it myself, right? Exactly. He could have made something off of the transaction. I've got a chiropractor and we got him to sell uh, uh, nutrition supplements, right? You're going to, you're, what are people, people who go to chiropractors are, are healthy kind of people, individuals. Let's offer them healthcare products that they would probably go and buy at the healthcare store, whether it be vitamins or uh, minerals or whatever, healthy bone structure, right? Actually, I got him to bring in, this is actually a good one, upsell, cross-sell. We brought in a massage therapist inside his office, the chiropractor's office. Perfect. Well, people who go to chiropractors see massage more as a necessity, like a healthcare treatment, as opposed to a massage therapist at the spa, right? It's a lot easier to, you know, to, I would think, to go to, I, I think, um, a lot. see, that's the thing. There's a lot of really good, legit massage therapists. But if they're in the little uh, strip mall in the bad area of town, it doesn't have the same credibility as in the local chiropractor's office. Oh, it it was a win-win for both of them. You're exactly right. Because the massage therapist comes in and gets a steady flow of clients that are from the chiropractor, right? As opposed to being at the spa, that are people who are trying to spoil themselves. These are people who, like me, have a back injury. I need a massage to help straighten me up. It's a necessity. It's not a spa-like thing. Yeah. So it receives steady content. And then they can still have, by the way, the way we structured it was she works here four days a week. And then the rest of the time she could go have her own spa, mobile spa in her own house or go wherever she wants and do the spa treatment, right? But yeah. these were the referral arrangements from the chiropractor patients. It's a win-win for everybody. He gets a little revenue because they might be going to massage somewhere else. Maybe they never thought about getting a massage. Maybe they will think of a massage because it's so convenient and because you recommend it and because it's right here and it complements your chiropractor. And vice versa. If the massage therapist is working on somebody's back and they see this big knot, they're like, you need to go see Dr. Steve. This is yep. what he can really help you get that, you know, yep. out of your back or what, or what have you. So. so those are even what I call joint venture relationships. So you talk about like the lawyer going back to the lawyer and the CPA, they may or may not be able to sell another product, but they could refer another product or another business or another entity that would help. Let's say a CPA has business owner clients, right? CPA can refer um, business coaches and consultants to help their business owners make more money. That's a win-win. I know an accountant, a CPA who, who sells accounting software and he gets an affiliate fee. So he says, if you're my client, I need you to be on this software. Now I gotta let you know that if you buy it through me, um, I do make um, I, I do make I get paid a little bit of a commission. However, when you're on that software, you don't have to pay for me as a user, and because I, I have a user license, and therefore I can take I can just all you have to do is give me a little uh, 
flash drive with all your info and I can, I, so it's, it's seamless. And so a lot of his clients sign up on that software, you know, and software is not cheap. It's an annual type deal. You renew every year when it comes to, I'm not talking like QuickBooks type stuff. I mean, some accounting software, I mean, uh, years ago, we spent $28,000 for our um, manufacturing um, accounting software, which allowed us to build an, I mean, 28 grand. And then it was like thousand <laughs> a year. It was a right. lot of money. So there's a lot of money in software, but there's a lot of ways, but whether you're self-employed or whether you're, you know, you have a, a, a job in a cubicle, a, you can eliminate debt and get in a better financial position, but B, you should have a second gig. If, I mean, if, if you have a job, you need extra income, you should be looking for, I mean, you know, Kiyosaki uh, promotes uh, network marketing and other type of things like that. There's nothing wrong with companies like that, but just never do it just to do it because it's got to be something you believe in. Um, But sometimes just having like my son's a musician and he has a normal job and I'm like, you've really, David, his name's David. I said, David, you gotta, you, you should teach people how to, how to play music. I mean, how to write music, how to do the different things. And, and, you know, some people actually pay you to do that and you can make, so what, you might make a couple hundred bucks doing it, you know, here and there, but it's free money. So right. why not do it? Always have a second income. I believe everybody should have a second income. Well, it goes back to, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, our four pillars. Well, yeah. you know, you always say a business owner should, should have real estate, whether it be the building he works in or some other revenue producing real estate. We talked about, you could actually buy another business, right? So you have multiple super- Talked about having a retirement, talked about having an investment, what I call it a wealth accumulation account, multiple streams of income, which is just like having another side gig. So even business owners shouldn't put all their money back into their own business. They should diversify into other, those four pillars we talked about. All your eggs in one basket doesn't make for a happy basket. I mean, it, I, you know, I, I've talked about Sears and Kmart and, Everywhere you look, you've taught you, you know, JCPenney's now in trouble, um, which was what a surprise. They're in the retail business. I mean, it, it's a different world we live in. But even Jeff Bezos says Amazon has a life. You know, every business um, will come to an end sooner or later. And not all businesses, though, do the owners have to. Um, basically go broke when the business goes under. In many cases, the business just just doesn't, it, A, isn't appealing to the owner, or B, just isn't making that owner the kind of money that they want anymore, so they can close the doors. If they've invested in other things, they don't need it anymore. Yeah, it's just a bonus. It's That's just one of the pillars that you described, which is, yeah. you know, which is a really good representation of how we should really look at our money and our, and our financial lives. Yeah. Pretty good. All right. I think we're kind of at time. So, so we started out talking about the government shutdown and how people are living paycheck to paycheck because we're consumerisms. We talked drew the parallel, how a lot of business owners are the same way. They're living paycheck to paycheck, right? And yeah. how they need to systematize and automate their marketing. You mentioned Dan Kennedy, figure out how much it costs you to get a new customer and uh, acquire the customer where each customer is profitable, right? Exactly. Build the system, then we can expand the system. Then we also said other people should, everybody should have a side gig. That's it. 
as a in a whole as a whole so <laughs> all right man uh tell us where they can find you uh matt they can find me at davidmulvaney.com that's the easiest place to find me and um read my blog i uh i post very regularly on my blog and uh, they can find me at linkedin at david mulvaney easy to find um and where can they find you matt so mine is uh, 10xprofitblueprint.com, 10xprofitblueprint.com. And of course, I'm on LinkedIn. Hey, but you ought to mention your webinar. Uh, I do a webinar every Thursday um, and mainly focused on working with electrical contractors. And uh, right now, the webinars are focused on how to get new customers um, using LinkedIn. And I think it's, a, it's um, you know, it's LinkedIn is a, is a, platform there's two users that that become linkedin users every two seconds uh two people sign up it's a phenomenal platform a half a million I'm, I'm sorry half a billion people on there um just just a very different platform you don't have cats new and high five um it's you know you don't have political bs it's it's all business so it, it you know and it's not it's nowhere near the platform that it's going to be. So uh, um, I think there's a lot of uh, value in using LinkedIn to, to gather clients. So I do that Thursday at four. Um, actually, easiest way to, to sign up for that would be just go to the contractorblueprint.com and um, there's a sign up link right there for the webinar. So. All right. Awesome, man. Sounds good. We will uh, see you next time. Okay, Matt. Talk soon.